0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 183 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Luke chapter 4 today, and our focus is on that time that Jesus confronted a crowd about their racism, and the crowd literally tried to kill him. Wait a minute, you don't remember that one? Well, trust me, it's in there. We're going to read it today. Every day, we read one chapter of God's Word a day we consider it we remember it we seek to obey it and understand it five days a week we're in the new testament twice a week we're in the old testament please do check out our website bible 2021.com and please consider sharing the show by word of mouth or social media posts with your friends and neighbors and acquaintances so luke 4 absolutely loaded loaded with amazingness Let's highlight a few of the episodes in Luke 4 before we get to our main topic. First of all, we see Jesus being tempted by Satan in the wilderness. And just from that short little passage, I see at least three important truths there that uh, maybe are not self-evident to all Christians. Number one, Satan has great earthly authority. Notice that Jesus neither scoffs nor contradicts or corrects Satan. Satan when Satan says, "I will give you their splendor and all this authority because it's been given over to me and I can give it to anyone I want." He's talking about the splendor and authority of the whole world. He says, if you will then worship me, all will be yours. So Satan's authority is most certainly subservient to God's authority, but yet it's very clear that Satan still has great authority on earth. Second thing we see, Satan will use scripture, twisted scripture, and things that sound like scripture in an attempt to mislead, manipulate, and misguide you. Notice how Jesus dealt with that. He used God's word, rightly quoted and rightly applied. The only way to fight spiritual warfare the way that Jesus did is to make use of what Paul calls the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And the only way to make use of that sword, the word of God, is to know and read and follow the word of God on a daily basis. Finally, the third thing we see in this uh, episode of temptation in the wilderness, we see that Jesus went into the wilderness or the desert wilds full of the spirit but he came out of the wilderness, or desert wilds, full of the power of the Spirit. Compare Luke 4.1, which says Jesus left the Jordan full of the Holy Spirit, with Luke 4.14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. So sometimes God takes us through the spiritual wilderness, or the desert wilds, as some translations call it, and this this might seem like a very difficult time of trial and tribulation and lack of things. Jesus went, 40 days without eating in the desert wilds, but it's often in those desert times that God is building his power and his presence and his perseverance in us in ways that we don't fully understand at the time. One other point. We see several deliverances or exorcisms, Jesus casting out demons and unclean spirits in this passage. One thing that somewhat rarely comes up in most people's conversation about Jesus is how much of his ministry involved casting out demons and evil spirits. We see Jesus confronting these beings over and over and over again, all throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the apostles have a similar kind of ministry. And it kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Where has this sort of ministry gone to in most churches today? Consider, for instance, verses 40 and 41. When the sun was setting, all those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him. As he laid hands on each of them, he healed them. Also, demons were coming out of many, shouting and saying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. Well, with that, let's read the entire passage, paying close attention to what exactly infuriated the crowd that tries to kill Jesus. Luke chapter 4, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible, Then Jesus left the Jordan, full of the Holy Spirit, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days to be tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were over, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, Man must not live on bread alone. So he took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you their splendor and all this authority, because it has been given over to me, and I can give it to anyone I want, if then you will worship me All will be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So he took him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you, and they will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not test the Lord your God. After the devil had finished every temptation, he departed from him for a time. Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, being praised by everyone. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled." And they were all speaking well of him and were amazed by the gracious words that came from his mouth. And they yet they said, Isn't this Joseph's son? Then he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me, Doctor, heal yourself. What we've heard that took place in Capernaum, do here in your hometown also. He also said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's day when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except a widow of Zarephath and Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, everyone in the synagogue was enraged. They got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. They were astonished at his teaching because his message had authority. In the synagogue there was a man with an unclean spirit who cried out with a loud voice, Leave us alone. What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him and said, Be silent and come out of him. And throwing him down before them, the demon came out of him without hurting him at all. Amazement came over them all, and they were saying to one another, What is this message? For he commands the unclean spirits with authority and power, and they come out. And news about him began to go out to every place in the vicinity. After he left the synagogue, he entered Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked him about her, so he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up immediately and began to serve them. When the sun was setting, all those who had anyone sick with various diseases brought them to him. As he laid his hands on each one of them, he healed them. Also, demons were coming out of many, shouting and saying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. When it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place, but the crowds were searching for him. They came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said to them, It is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So first, before we talk about what actually instigated the crowd, did you catch that escape of Jesus? It's really kind of fascinating because Luke basically tells us nothing about how it happened. Verses 29 and 30 say, They got up, drove him out of town, and brought him to the edge of the hill that their town was built on, intending to hurl him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. Luke, my man! How did Jesus pass through the crowd? How did that happen? What did it look like? This sounds like a very interesting and amazing miracle, and Luke explains it like in the most mundane way possible. And once again, we see evidence of the fact that the gospel writers rarely, if ever, exaggerated. If anything, they tended to downplay what we would have been blown up into a lot of hype. Uh, Of more importance to our conversation today is the simple fact that this enraged crowd knowing who Jesus was and knowing his family, yet they tried to kill him in cold blood without the approval of any of the authorities. So what got them so infuriated and murderous and worked up? Well, I asked my family that tonight after we read through Luke chapter 4 without any commentary, and they didn't quite catch the reason. They missed why the crowd was so upset. Did you miss it? If so, here it is in verses 24 and 25. Jesus also said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days when the sky was shut up for three years and six months while a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. And in the prophet Elisha's time, there were many in Israel who had leprosy, and yet not one of them was cleansed except except Naaman the Syrian. Does that remind you, by chance, of any passage we've read so far this year? Because it big time reminds me of Acts chapter 22, 21 through 23. Paul is being harassed by the Jewish crowds. He's been protected from them by a Roman centurion, but he asked for permission to address the Jewish crowds and he does and they listen really intently until he says something at the very last of his speech, which then they lose it completely. Verse 21, Paul says, God told me go because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. They listened to him up to this point. Then they raised their voices shouting, wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. And as they were yelling and flinging aside their garments and throwing dust in there. They just had a big fit. In that passage, Paul is explaining to that Jewish crowd that God had sent him to share the good news with those who weren't Jewish, and this made the crowd fly into a murderous rage. Think like a toddler hissy fit with violent intent. They lost their minds, just like the crowd that Jesus was addressing in Luke 4. Why were both these crowds so infuriated? Well. They were angry, apparently, because any mention of God's love or God's word being offered to the Jewish people, they thought of themselves as God's special people and that God cared for them way more than those other heathen Gentiles. Now, is that racism? Uh, is it xenophobia? Is it pride? Is it jealousy? Well, it's probably a combination of all four and more besides. I maintain that That it is this attitude that many of the Jews held towards those of other countries and other races that led to the great persecution that broke out against the Jerusalem church in Acts uh, 7, 8, 9, 10, which in turn led to the Jerusalem church scattering all across the known world. Prior to that, the Jerusalem church had the great commission of Jesus. They were called by Jesus to take the good news to every corner of the earth, every tribe, nation, tongue, and people. But... The Jerusalem church wasn't really doing that. They weren't advancing the gospel outside the borders of Israel very much at all. So God made a way for that to happen. And honestly, I know that was probably hard for the Jerusalem church at the time, but I'm so grateful that he did. So small caveat here. I realize I'm saying some of the Jews were racist and xenophobic. I will also point out That many of the Jews were the ones that carried the gospel to the whole world. So I'm not trying to paint a whole group of people as racist. In fact, I think we find racism endemic in every culture, tribe and people. It's a sin that's inborn us in us and we need to, we need to fight it. Like we don't need to respond to racism being called out in our hearts with the fury of those crowds. Uh, did when they were confronted with it we should repent and deal with it in a humble way because it it's it's in us the sin nature is in us it's in us to be racist and we would all do well to remember John 3:16 for God so loved the world not just our corner of the world or our ethnicity or our type of people or our fellow countrymen but the world Every tribe, tongue, nation, and people. Well, let's close with our Bible memory verse for the month of July. It's from Luke six forty-seven and 48. Jesus says, I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words and acts on them. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the river crashed against that house and couldn't shake it. Because it was well built. Again, I exhort you friends and I exhort me. Let's build our house on the teachings of Jesus. Good day to you and Godspeed.